By the grace of God, I also want to welcome those who are worshipping through LifeGate Outreach TV and those who are listening to the podcasts. We want to bless God. I want to thank God for the uh, media team that worked so hard, very, very hard, to put up these messages from time to time. Pray that the Lord will continue to reward you all in the name of Jesus. We have a team that works across the world now. And so we are truly grateful for that divine privilege. And we are truly thankful to God. Amen. We really want to thank God for the series that we have started a few weeks ago, about three weeks ago now. Uh, This is the fourth of the series in our Kingdom Prosperity series. And um, we started with looking at keys. We said right from now till the end of the month of uh, Christmas or December... We will be looking at different keys that God has given to us for kingdom prosperity. And I want to thank God that when we started, we looked at the kingdom uh, uh, covenant key of, uh, pro, uh, of learning. Then we looked at the covenant key of skills. And then we looked last week on giving. And these are all very important things. We said it's important to learn and it's impl- important to deploy your skills. You see, the body of Christ is usually taught that God wants us to prosper. Where you go to a message, you hear that God wants you to prosper. And many Christians ask the question, so how can this be? How can I prosper? These keys are the keys that God has given to man in order to be able to actualize the word. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can see them like your bank cards or your credit cards or your uh, checkbooks. For those of you that still remember the use of checks very well because they are gradually fading out. But they are like those things that give you access to the money. Somebody say access to the money. So the money is there. What needs to be drawn in the bank is there. But those keys help you. Those instruments help you to draw down to it. So today we are looking at the kingdom prosperity key of partnership. This is one key that I want you to please follow me very gently today that the body of Christ has minimized so much and it has limited us in the potential of what we can do in our individual lives and as local churches or local congregations and as a body of Christ globally. My banner there just is a picture that represents two people typified by those uh, uh, artworks that Spell out the word partnership. One of them has partner on them and the other one has ship, which comes together, spells partnership. And if you look at the way they are hooked up, they're also hooked up in a way that shows that what one has, the other doesn't have. One is like the person with the socket and the other one has like the plug at the end. So when you look at them together, they make the whole picture. And this is how every one of us truly is. We are people who have parts that are meant to fit into other people. And we're going to be looking at the different ways God has ordained that there be a completion of the wholeness in different aspects of our lives. There is a way God has ordained before the foundation of the earth for me to connect as a person privileged to be in the leadership role I am in in this local assembly. There is a way I am meant to connect to the entire body and you are to connect to me. Now, over and above that, there is a way I am designed by God to connect to you as an individual and you connect to me as an individual. 
and so on and so forth. There is a way that I am meant to connect to certain people that is not necessarily the way I'm meant to connect to everybody else. So when you look at that, the picture of partnership should be clear to us. Partnership generally refers to an association of two or more people or entities. Everyone has a set of gifts, as we have learned over the year, over the weeks, the last few weeks. Everyone has a set of gifts, talents, abilities, and skills, and expertise that can be significantly enhanced when we partner with one another. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The potential of what I can do is enhanced when I locate certain people who are meant to complement the skill set I have in deployment of that assignment, in my deployment of that assignment. Same thing with you. And so every kind of partnership, kingdom prosperity comes about when we locate those divine partnerships that God has created and we are enhanced through them. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 from verse 9. The Bible says two are better than one. Let's read together. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Now, it's on the screen, so I expect you to be reading with me. Let's go back again to verse 9. Everybody together? Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Now, look at the things that they can do from verse 10. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Remember, we have said many times that the word alone simply means that you are like all in one. God wants you to have the opportunity. When man was alone, God said it is not good for man to be alone, all in one. I will make him a helpmate. And he brought out of him. And he created the woman and the Bible says they became one, as we'll soon see again. But the truth is, the Bible says when they fall, When they fall, when they fall, one will lift up. Because in a partnership, one is always at a point of helping the other. In God's infinite wisdom, he always ensures that there is always one that can bail out the other. He said, if they fall, one will lift his companion. Hallelujah. Verse 11 says, and again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm Alone. This refers much more to a marital relationship. And then it says in verse 12, Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. You see, what I am able to face alone, I may, I may be able to face up to a certain point. But with your help, and with his help, and her help, we can withstand much more than we can do individually. Praise the Lord. So the word of God right from Genesis makes us to see the importance of partnership. We know that Genesis 1.26, the Bible says, and let us make man in our image. Talking about God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that began to explain to us the concept of partnerships from the mind of God. Now, I would like us to look at some forms of partnership today that we must understand that God has ordained for us to walk in so that we can walk in a realm, in a certain realm of kingdom prosperity and fulfillment of destiny in life. 
The first form of partnership which is basic and must be in place for every Christian is spiritual partnership. Say spiritual partnership. This is the union between God and man. It is the basis for Christianity and it is the basis for the deployment of the Christian. When I say the deployment of the Christian, that means the Christian fulfilling his or her assignment. The relationship we have with God, this is the most important. Praise the Lord. This is the most important form of relationship that, uh, a partnership that a, a child of God must have. Having that development. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm just reading some scriptures. 1 Corinthians 3.9. Let's read that together. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Hallelujah. Now, this scripture is so important. Like many scriptures that we see that tell us that if as new creatures in Christ, we are a new creation and all things have passed away and uh, all things have become new. He said, once they become new, we become God's fellow workers. We become one with him. Now, you see, this spiritual partnership, I want us to understand it. Because I believe that our believer generation really do not understand. A few minutes ago, Pastor Lola was talking about covenant. Many of us do not understand what a spiritual partnership is. Many of us do not understand what it means to be a fellow worker with God. We understand how to work with people. We understand how to work in the business world. We understand the ethics of working in our various establishments and doing the things we do vocationally. But you see, when it comes to the things of God, we, we just don't understand. Simply because it is a spiritual relationship. It is a spiritual covenant. Now, you see, if you go uh, late to certain kinds of work, you are penalized to the point whereby even part of your salary can be deducted. Praise the Lord. Now, if you also don't just show up, you can be disciplined for not just showing up. In fact, you can be sacked. You can be sacked. If you are supposed to be on some essential duty and then you just don't show up to do that work, you may get a query or you may just get the sack in the world system. Or a salary can be withhold, withheld from you or part of it. But you see, when it comes to the things of God, people do those things. People just don't show up. Paul said, we are God's fellow workers. People come late and they don't care. Just know nothing touches their conscience. Not because there was something that really genuinely, sincerely held them up, but just because, you see, there is no punitive measure like it is in the world system. So people do not understand the gravity. And this is the most important relationship to be faithful to. When God sees you as a person who is faithful, diligent, you are doing the things you need to do and you are at your duty post when you need to be there, God starts to transform and translate your life. Now, again, I will say this again and again. We are in challenging times, and I make no light of the challenges of the modern day. I am making this emphasis because if we don't understand the place of spiritual partnership, every kind of partnership we can talk about, we will just be doing like the rest of the world. Because every other thing, everybody else does. But this is a, an exclusive preserve of those who have been called by the name of the Lord. Friends, situations don't change if we don't make efforts to change them. Hallelujah. And I pray that the grace 
to appear and the grace to be at our duty posts will be upon every one of us in Jesus' name. Church work cannot be done by proxy. It cannot be done by wishing. I just wish somebody else is there to do it. <laughs> you must wish yourself to be there to do it. Paul said, we are. Somebody say, I am. I am. A fellow worker with God. Let us take this thing serious. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. The Bible says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Are you allowing him to work in you? That's the question. Are you allowing him to work in you? Are you praying? Are you saying, Lord, help me that I will do both your will and your good pleasure? I want us all to take these words very seriously and see what the Lord will do. The second form of partnership we need to take note of is the marital partnership. This is the union between a man and his wife that yields the fruits of marriage. This makes us help us, this helps us to build up the oneness of purpose, helps us to have the honor of marriage and the fruitfulness of the body. This is how God designed that there shall be procreation in the body of Christ and in the world generally. Genesis chapter 2 verse 24, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become what? Are you still reading? And they shall become what? One flesh. Say two shall become one. This oneness is a spiritual oneness. If you have ever seen somebody on the day they married and then they suddenly fused physically into one, let me know. Because I've never seen such. You will still see them as two people, but you see the purpose, the oneness of purpose begins to be established, began to be established from that day. And that oneness of purpose gives them a drive in the right direction. The Bible says, verse 25, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed because they were still in the oneness of purpose. Remember when they sinned in the oneness of purpose and they channeled it towards sin, the Bible says their both eyes were open. But when they were in the perfect will of God with the oneness of purpose, the way God designed it, they were both naked and they were not ashamed. What does that mean? Marital partnership, we must understand, requires man and his wife to be committed to the objectives of God for marriage. We must be intentionally desiring to do good. Many times in a marriage, a marriage is always saved when one spouse is able to advise the other if one is taking a step that is ungodly, if one is taking a step that is wrong. If one is waning in their spiritual responsibilities or getting into things that they should not get into, God in his mercy will always open the eyes of the other person to see. It could be the man or the woman. It depends on what it is. God will open the, other, the eyes of the other person to see and say, Darling, I noticed this. I noticed you. You're doing this now. You need to be careful. Are you sure? And then that one, the other person must be able to come to the place. You see, if when Adam... Was, was given the fruit by Eve. And if all Adam could say at that point was, you know, God has said we should not eat this fruit. Let's not eat it. Let's not eat it. That would have been the end of it. But the Bible says she gave it to him and he ate it also. And then suddenly their eyes were open and they began to see that they were naked. That is what the devil is after. Every marriage must understand that the basis of marriage is so that one is always lifting up the other when they fall. One is always able to stand. The marital partnership is a strong entity that should allow couples to make good progress in life. Encourage one another. 
where couples find themselves competing against each other, they have missed the point. You are not demonstrating anything that represents God when you are competing against your spouse. You are meant to help each other. I help you to rise, you help me to rise. We work together and we do the things that God has called us to do. That is a partnership that yields fruit of the same. When the children are born into such relationships, they also become stronger. There are certain things I saw my father doing as a younger man, much younger man, to his wife, my mother, and uh, I learned from, until today, I practice those things. My father always showed leadership. He always showed the way as to point the, the, the family to the things of God. Now, my mom is a very vibrant Christian herself, but my father was always there. He was the example. He stood every time. Despite the trials and situations of life, I learned from him that a man's role is to stand and stand with God and keep commanding his family after God. That is why God said concerning Abraham in Genesis 17 that I have found Abraham, my servant, and I know that he will command his family after me. Hallelujah. But when the man is trying to play that role, lady, help him. Support him. Even if he's not that anointed, in quotes, to be doing it, encourage him to be that person. Support him. Pray for him. You see, when you pray for your spouse, you are praying for yourself. Praise the Lord. Because every success that you receive or record as individuals in your marital relationship ends up being something that is for the family. Amen. May the Lord continue to help us. But what we should do is to leverage the strength in the other. Let us leverage. When you leverage the strength, there are certain things that it is impossible for me to do if not for the presence of my wife in, in, my, wife in my life. I would not have been able to do those things. It is impossible for her to do certain things if not for my presence in her life. And this is how couples must see each other. The day we were anointed here on August the 31st, 2013, and the man of God laid hands on us and we prayed. And he prayed and he commissioned us into this ministry. The anointing to preach and to teach and the energy came upon me like never before. But upon her was the anointing, among many things, the anointing of the mistral. I had never seen her coordinate songs anywhere since I've known her about that, at that time, about 20, 20 years. I'd never seen her coordinate songs. I'd never seen her put songs together. But suddenly in the night, she'll be there at times three hours, four hours, listening to songs, ordering them. And at times I'll be asleep or doing some other things and I'll come back to say, you're still here, listening to songs, putting them together. It was an anointing that came because of the ministry. It was never practiced. We didn't sit down. Did I sit down with you to say, you know, I think you will help choir. We plan it like that. <laughs> that never happened. It never happened. The, the anointing comes. When couples locate what God wants for them and they move into it, there is a grace that comes. I see there is a grace that comes. And it comes upon them for performance in the ministry. And I pray that that grace will come upon your marriage today. In the name of Jesus. Then we go to ministry partnership. What's the first type of partnership? Spiritual partnership. What's the second mar- uh, partnership? Marital partnership. The third one I want to say is ministry partnership. This is working together to do ministry as God ordains. I want every one of us to read 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We have read it before in the Bible reading. But we read from verse 5. He said, who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you did what? You believed. As the Lord gave to what? Each one. Somebody say he gave to each one. Say he gave to each one. 
Look at your neighbor. Say, what he gave to you is different from what he gave to me. So I respect what you have. If you don't mind, please respect mine. That's what it is. The Bible says he gave to each one. Now let's go to verse 6 now. And then he began to say, I did what? I planted. Apollos did what? Watered. But God did what? Gave the increase. Now, I always say this. Paul was the writer of this verse. That's why he said I. The truth is, he was sure he planted. And he is also convinced that God will always give increase. But if Apollos does not water, that will not be complete. The whole thing there would have been lost. Because there is a need for a watering of the planting. Hallelujah. If I do my duty, and you do your duty... We give God room, the opportunity to give us increase. If I don't plant, you have nothing to water. God is always ready to increase. If I plant and you don't water, then we, God has nothing to increase. We must understand that it is a tripartite partnership when we talk about ministry partnership. You and I doing what God has called us to do and letting God give the increase. And then verse 7 says, So then, neither is he who plants anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives what? Increase. The reason why he says that none of us matter except God is because any of us can be replaced. Are you hearing me? That's why he said, neither is you and I anything but God. Only God cannot be replaced. If I refuse to plant, he will look for another planter. If you refuse to water, he will look for another waterer. But why don't you put yourself there? Why don't I put myself there? So that when God gives the increase, we can testify. Hallelujah. Verse 8 says, Now he who plants and he who waters, they are what? One. And each one. Somebody say each one. Say it again. Each one. Say it one more time. Each one. Each one will do what? Receive his own reward according to our labor. Is it according to our labor? According to all of our labors? According to what? His own labor. So don't ever, ever, you are in a group. The leader of the group is saying, brethren, let us come on Saturday. Let us come and meet and let us pray. Let us do this thing. Don't think you are doing him a favor or her a favor by showing up that Saturday. What you are responding to is a call from God who rewards all through that leader. Now, if it is impossible for you to be there, you need to let him know. But not to say anything. This is the one that gets me in the body of Christ today. No message, no nothing, no consideration just doesn't show up. I find it difficult to grapple. Do we do that in our secular jobs? I want to know. Do we do that? If we don't do that, let's stop it in the body of Christ. It's a cancerous spirit that is ravaging all over the world and making believers jelly-nelly, willy-nilly people. We are in a military camp where a command is given by God, we respond. Hallelujah. When the man comes, you come there and you receive your own reward according to your own labor. Hallelujah. This is what ministry partnership is all about. 
The Bible says in Proverbs 27 verse 17, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. What God wants us to do when we come together is to encourage one another. Is to be there for one another. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The fourth type of partnership is business or vocational partnership. This is coming together to enhance commercial productivity, both for life and ministry works. Say with me, business partnership. Now, in the body of Christ, like I said earlier on, many times we don't talk about these things, we just spiritualize them. There is a place that God ordained. Now, we, the problem is we, we, we don't make it the major reason why we gather together. That's why when Jesus came and he saw them doing trade in the temple, he drove them out. Because he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer and you have turned it to a den of thieves. But you see, within the house of prayer, God also gives wisdom for brethren to dwell together and strengthen one another and work together to be productive, even in the business world. Look at Paul's example in Acts chapter 18, verse 1. The Bible says, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and went toward Corinth. Verse 2. Let's read verse 2 together. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife, Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from where? From Rome. And he came to them. Now, Claudius was doing something in Italy, driving away the Jews out of Rome. Paul was coming from Athens. They came and they met in Corinth by divine arrangement. Someone say divine arrangement. Some of you have left your country 6,000, 8,000 miles away. And six years ago, you and I did not know that we will be here today. But we are here today. It is for a purpose. In many cases, we need to just find it. Hallelujah. The Bible says he found. Say he found them. Go back to verse 2. Verse 2. Verse 2. He said, and he found. He found. He located. In the body of Christ, we must open our eyes to locate certain people who are designed by God, placed in that local assembly or in the wider body to be syndicated to us in a partnership that will enhance the work of our hands. Look at verse 3. Read verse 3 out loud and clear. So, because he was of what? The same trade. He stayed with them and he did what? This is Paul now. He said, for by occupation, they were what? You see, the body of Christ today has lost the place of forming business partnerships in the body of Christ, in the church. This is one essential element that has crippled the believers of today. Why? Because trust has been let down so much. Somebody took the money and ran away. They didn't sign proper agreement because they were all brothers and sisters. So one of them vanished, (laughs) vanished with the money. One of them betrayed. And then people now become insulated from allowing these kind of things to happen again. We always talk. Two chapters later, Paul was saying that you all know that by the work of my hands. How was he walking in his hands and he was preaching? This partnership. This was the basis. Of, Paul had two kinds of partnerships that enhanced his ministry. One was with the lady of Thyatira, Dorcas. The, the, the woman who was the seller of purple linen in Acts chapter 16. 
Remember Paul and Silas when they were freed from prison? That lady that hosted them. And then this wonderful couple. This couple not only helped Paul to be making tents and selling with him while he was on itinerant ministry, but they also helped him in ministry. If you read further down, we don't have time, in Acts chapter 18, later on, Apollos, the same Apollos who Paul said watered, came into Corinth as well. But Apollos at that time had only been baptized in the baptism of John. So he was teaching in the temple. It was this same couple that saw him and went and took him through. Hallelujah. They were the ones that came in there and saw him. And this was Aquila. And I went and saw him and said, this is the way to go. And they discipled Apollos. Then Apollos and Paul became the partner in ministry. Do you see how it works now? So when we don't identify, there are certain people who are sat next to you that if only we let go of pride, if only we let go of pride and this individualistic silo mentality where it is me, myself, and I, and I need no one else. If only we let go of it with one little discussion or the other and with faith in God, we can enhance our capacities to do much more than we are achieving now. Praise the Lord. This is how God will bless you. I said, this is how God will bless you. But you must understand, you need to come to a place where you open yourself up to partnership. There are people who are in a particular kind of vocation with you. Sit down, think. Don't just keep doing the same things. We are going into 2018. Sit down, say, brother, can we pray together? You are in the same field with me. What can we do together? It can be on top of what we are doing now, or it can even grow into something that may make us mean we leave what we are doing. It doesn't matter as long as God is in it. When you walk together like that, we see, you see, people who are not even Christians do it better. They trust each other much more than Christians. May God deliver us. In the name of Jesus. The final type of partnership I want to say is social partnership. Somebody say social partnership. So how many have we discussed so far? Four. Before this one, the fifth one. What's the first one? Spiritual partnership. Secondly, marital partnership. The third, ministry partnership. The fourth, Business partnership or vocational partnership. Then the fifth one is social partnership. This has nothing necessarily to do with business. It can lead to, but it's really more about you working with somebody to preserve life and to just enhance life. We know the story. We will not read it again. First Samuel chapter 20. We know the story of uh, David and Jonathan. But I want you to take time to read it again. God preserved the life of David because of the partnership between Jonathan and and him. I want you to note in your Bible, please take time to read it. First, Second Samuel chapter 15, chapter 16, chapter 17, 18, and 19. This was 40 years later. God used a man called Hushai and another one called Abishai, particularly Hushai, to rescue David again. This time not from Saul, but from his own son, Absalom, who wanted to kill him. We don't have time to look into this. But these are social... The Bible says Hushai was David's friend. So David had two very critical friends that saved his life. God. But it's such a, such a deep thing that God used another friend. 40 years later, there are friends that you must have. I said there are friends that you must have. And my God will give them to you. In the name of Jesus. There are certain friends that you must not have. My God will make sure that they don't come your way. In the name of Jesus. I want to quickly close by saying that for all forms of partnership to thrive, 
we must have these three things. Say with me, there must be agreement. Amen. Amos 3.3 3 says, how can two work together except they are agreed? Now, when we talk about agreement, we need to understand the levels of agreement. I did say that certain people can be in partnership with you, especially business partnership and social partnerships that are not necessarily Christians. You agree on the basis of what has brought you together and no more. You don't agree on the basis of faith. Am I making sense? You may not agree on the basis of faith, but we do business together. We help each other to to do school runs. We help each other to uh, take care of matters of life. We can agree on the object of those things, but we cannot agree. We must not agree unless you are willing to come to my faith. We must not agree on matters of faith. What does that mean? We need to know how we define agreement in every form of partnership. The agreement I have with my wife, I cannot have with any other woman on this planet. It is impossible. Okay? I can relate with every other woman, but I cannot have the same kind of agreement I have with her because that is a spousal, marital, deepest form of agreement that a a, a couple can have, two people can have. Does that make sense? The kind of agreement we have with God, we cannot have with every human being. You know why? Because the agreement with God is an agreement that is based on the immortality of God. His invincibility. Hallelujah. He is based on his character and his person as a God. If you extend that kind of agreement to me, you are being unfair. What do I mean by that? You may never expect God to disappoint you. But never expect me, in as much as God helping me, I will not go out of my way to disappoint you. But never expect me not to disappoint you. That is unfair on me. I cannot expect you not to disappoint me. That would be unfair on me and unfair on you. Only God cannot fail. Hallelujah. That does not give us a license to say that we should just live anyhow. We need to understand how we define agreement. Hallelujah. The second thing we must... No, is that there must be integrity. Somebody say integrity. These are things God just gave to me. For making a partnership work, no matter what it is, there must be integrity. This means wholeness of words and acts. James 5.12, he said, But above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, lest you fall into judgment. Some people find it difficult to say no. Because they want to be nice. And my English brothers will say, you know, we're just talking nice. It's lying. That's a lie. Don't just talk nice if it's not the truth. I say, you know, but you say, but you know you're not going to do that. I say, you know, I, I just talk nice. No, don't talk nice. Let your yes be yes and your no is no. If there is anything I, can, I cannot do for you, I don't waste time telling you that maybe I will do it, maybe I can. I will tell you there, I'm sorry, I cannot do this. Because... My yes must be my yes. My no is my no. If I can, I'll tell you immediately. Even if I don't know how it will be. It is called integrity. Hallelujah. There must be wholeness of your words and your acts. The third thing is faithfulness. I've always refined faithfulness to you from five terms. Who can confidently remind me those words? (laughs) I got you today. Trustworthiness. Say trustworthiness. Reliability. Loyalty, consistency, and steadfastness. Say steadfastness. Those five things is what determines and measures faithfulness. 
And again, I will say to you, if you look at the five, only God can be consistent in everything. But the reality is that every one of us must work hard in every partnership, whether it is a spiritual partnership, whether it is a marital partnership, a ministry partnership, a business partnership, or social partnership, we must be trustworthy. You see, your trustworthiness does not determine my own trustworthiness. I define my own trustworthiness and I say to you, this is who I am. Trust me. You are meant to do the same. Then it works. Praise the Lord. A lot of people stop becoming reliable because the other end is not as reliable. That should not change you. You must remain reliable, hallelujah, for the sake of integrity. You must remain consistent. You must remain loyal as far as that relationship is concerned. Now, having said that, I must sound a note that if you start a relationship, particularly if it's not uh, centered around the things of faith, maybe it's just a business relationship, and it's working well, if suddenly you notice that there are introduction of idols or things that will want to draw you from the faith, the Bible warns us to come out of such and be separate. Amen? Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. He said, in that case, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. So while I've said everything I've said and that you can associate with people to enhance your business, enhance your life, always watch out for this. The moment that partnership is bringing in the element of idolatry or every, any element of sin whatsoever that is trying to lure you away from having your heart fixed on God, the Bible says you should come out of such and be separate. Don't touch the unclean thing. Hallelujah. So we must shun every evil form of partnerships. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says to us that evil company Corrupts good manners. There was a king, I want to close on this, there was a king that we all talk about a lot called Jehoshaphat. Great man. Great man. But a time came towards the end of his reign that he had a very negative kind of partnership. And it was not good for him. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Many men of God and many Christians today, because of the cares of this world and just the crave to just make it, have gone to form alliance with people that have lured them into idolatry. Let us be very careful as the body of Christ that we don't keep falling into this trap. The devil can wait for as long as necessary. He can wait for 10 years, 20 years, as long as he knows that he can gradually edge people into it, he keeps on. Let us not, let us be, let us not be mindful, or let us not be unmindful of his devices. Verse 35. Let's read together. After this... Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, allied himself with who? Ahaziah, king of Israel, who acted what? Very wickedly. And, verse 36, he allied himself to make ships to go to Tarshish. It was supposed to be a good business opportunity. And they made the ships in Ezion Geba. But verse 37 said, But Eliezer, the son of Dodava, of Marasha, prophesied against Jehovah, Jehoshaphat, saying, because you have allied yourself with Ahaziah, 
The Lord has destroyed your works. Then the ships were wrecked so that they were not able to go to Tarshish. May we not align with the wrong person. In the name of Jesus. Every time we align with the right person, two things happen to us. First, God gives us the capacity. Somebody say capacity. He enhances our capacity for bigger things. Amen. He said, behold, when brethren dwell together in unity, Psalm 133, verse 1, he said, it's like the anointing that comes from the top. Verse 3 says that, and there the Lord commands a blessing. This is how prosperity comes. Praise the Lord. God, through whom we can do all things, Philippians 4.13, says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Through Christ, when we partner, we can do all things. I say you will, do all, you will be able to do all things. What does this mean to you? Every time you want to do something, always bring God into the partnership. And do it in such a way. If you are doing a business, let that business show and honor God in its ethics. In its way, it brings its proceeds to honor God and to bless. Let that business continue to speak. The job you do, let it honor God with the things that we have talked about, with your thankfulness to God for providing that job, with your tithes from that job, what you do in such times is that you are guaranteeing yourself a place with making sure that God continues to work in you to do all things. I've told you about Robert Gilmore Letonier, one of the biggest uh, Christian entrepreneurs that ever lived, uh, who said that I am in partnership with God. Have you ever heard of God going bankrupt? When they told him that his, his business was about to go bankrupt, he said that his business cannot go bankrupt because he is in partnership with God. There is a way you are assured that what God has put in your hand will not fall to the ground because God is in it. I say because God is in it. You will continue to do the impossible through Christ. You will continue to do the seemingly impossible through Christ in the name of Jesus. From today, your marital relationships will speak of good things. From today, your social relationships will be enhanced. Rise to your feet.